And we're live. How's everybody doing? Hey, great. Hi. Hey. Well, welcome to Advancing the Mission, where we keep you informed and up to date on what's happening in local outreach, global missions, and church multiplication through the lens of County Line Church. I am Outreach Pastor Chris Kazmarek. And I'm Multiplication Pastor Mary Ellen Rail. Awesome. And we have with us Zach and Audrey Langford, who are missionaries to the UK. And we're going we're gonna to learn a little bit about you guys today. So why don't you just start off by telling us a little bit about yourselves, how you got to the mission field, your calling there, kind of give us some information. Let us learn about you. <laughs> well, this will be the shortest interview that you've ever had. No, but uh, honestly, it, uh, it's been a long process for us. It's been a long story, it's been playing out in, in different ways, but it all began for, for me personally way back in 2006 when I went on my first kind of international trip. And that just opened up my world to God's global uh, mission and global ministry to people outside of, you know, my little U.S. American church. I uh, got a glimpse of kind of the global impact of, of God's ministry through, through that. Um, and, and, and you got kind of get into it in a similar way, too. Uh, yeah, so I was raised overseas. Um, so I had kind of a global picture before, but um, I really um, was impacted on going on short-term mission trips myself as well. Awesome. And so how did you guys get to the UK then from, from this that you had to this? And we're going to meet Lola, I think, here in a minute. This is the daughter. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. yeah. She, she's around. She will make herself known, believe me. Yeah. And that is totally um, fun. We love seeing the, the kids that go with the adults. So yeah. you're totally fine. So yeah. So how did you guys then get to the UK through Global Strategy from this passion that you had? Well, it was, uh, I got connected with the UK prior to joining, or prior to us joining uh, Global uh, Strategy. So after my initial trip in 2006, I returned with the, the same group to England. And it was just a, a vision that our pastor in Decatur, Alabama had of, of trying to connect to ministry on every continent. And so the UK was, was uh, a great jumping off point for that because it was uh, specifically London, where one of our churches is. It's just a melting pot of culture, and we had kind of two doorways. One was kind of the Middle Eastern um, dynamic that, that's really prominent in London, but also kind of the rest of Europe. And so we had these kind of two areas in which to launch into two different continents. So that's kind of started it for us in 2007, and that led to, you know, different trips for me and an internship uh, with the pastor in Birkenhead, um, which then led to an opportunity to extend that long term. And so in the process of, of extending that long term, we got married, we got married. <laughs> and, and so, uh, and Audrey has her own kind of story of how she got connected in the UK, you know, opposite, you know, different from, from my experience, but that then uh, eventually led to us meeting Patrick and Jamie Noctegal, who were, were new regional coordinators for Europe and the Middle East. And, and they asked a simple question, well, how did you guys get here outside of, you know, the, the, the missions organization? And, and so that, that began our relationship uh, with, you know, officially with Global Strategy. Yeah, so we spent two years in Birkenhead um, serving the church, mostly doing youth and kids outreach programs and helping support the church. Um, but we did that for nearly two months independently. Two years. Um, two, two, did I say two months? Two years, yeah. It well, seemed like 20, but. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we moved for uh, 17 days after we got married. 
Uh, and then we lived in a, a little tiny garage flat and any income that we had went to the apartment. And so we had no income. And so we did that and realized that that wasn't sustainable. Um, and it, like you said, we had met Patrick and Damien in that process. And um, as we were leaving the field, they invited us to join the Three Worlds team. Um, and so we came back and we spent two years fundraising. And then in 2014, we moved back to England. Uh, like we said, it's a long journey for Zach and, and even a long journey for me. We've, we've been there basically together since 2010. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. So we we actually we sent a county line team to uh, to Birkenhead last last November. I'm going to yeah. show you the pictures. Um, but while while I'm showing these pictures, maybe talk about what it's like uh, leading that church, being missionary pastors. That's that's maybe not something that we think of when we think of missionaries leading an actual church. So what what does that look like, and what are some of the the things that you guys have implemented there? Um, in that time. So I'm going to, I'll show these pictures and I'll let you guys answer that. Okay. Yeah. So we didn't, we didn't start off, you know, we didn't come into this with the anticipation of becoming, you know, the, the, the senior pastoral leadership of the congregation. Um, we served alongside the, the pastor, pastor John Pemberton and his, and his associate and, and their team, um, for, for a couple years. And then it got to a point where John Pemberton, after experiencing, um, you know, like our three worlds leadership network, you know, kind of the dynamics with that and, and just being around all this really influential young leadership, he realized that his gifting, um, although impactful for a time, he, he knew that he had to step out of the way and allow some, some new, uh, vision and desire to, to, to kind of allow the ministry to move forward, which was really, really incredible for us to see that change in his life. Um, but he retired in 2017 and the church was in, a, in an interesting position to, uh, to really, you know, well, what do we do? How do we move forward in, in, in ministry in this way? Uh, do we shut our doors and, and maybe try ministry in an easier context or an easier place? Uh, or do we, do we try this new thing? Do we try to re-engage our community? Do we try to take, you know, adventurous steps for them? You know, for, for, I think a lot of people, you know, when we say like, these are big steps for us, they're huge. They're, they're momentum, uh, momentous things, but for others, they're like, well, you just change little things here and there. But for us in our context and the way that the church had been moving for so long, these were just tremendous changes that made a, a, a an incredible impact. And so in 2017, after John's retirement, uh, I was installed or we were installed as the, as the, the pastoral leadership of the team. And I know it's an interesting dynamic because missionaries and especially with global strategy, that's not our goal is we're not, we're not putting pastors in places, you know, we're looking for, you know, indigenous people. We're looking for people who know the context, who, who grew up there, who lived there. Uh, but there was just that void uh, for a time. And so we stepped in, uh, I, I suppose, really to, to help lead this church to find itself somebody from the local context to, to lead them into the future. Yeah. And, and so as, as your pictures show, you know, some of the big things that, that we've done to really create change in our community is to offer, um, like you guys helped us, I believe, with a big uh, community dinner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's we, had, we were making enchiladas um, and just providing a, a cheap, uh, or in sometimes free meal for the community. And this started off with just, you know, a handful of people 
And over the course of like six months, it grew to, to you know, now we have 80 plus people coming in the doors uh, with their kids running around for an inexpensive meal. And, and that's just one of the ways that we're able to do it. Audrey, with the help of, of, of a couple ladies, helped launch um, a mom and tots group, which has been really impactful. Yeah, so our community, what the church had found itself is that what was once a middle working class neighborhood, um, that the congregation had moved out into different areas as the neighborhood changed. And so now it's more of a working class welfare community. And so um, the church really didn't look like its neighborhood. It didn't represent its neighborhood. And the, and the neighbors didn't really trust churches. Like that's what we're finding throughout Europe is that there's definitely a secularism and a distrust of any organized religion. And so um, people weren't just going to show up at church. And so it was really important for us to meet people where they were and offer things that would um, allow us to get in relationship with them. And so community dinners, it actually started in our home initially as a small group kind of thing. And then it grew into this whole church thing because there's not enough room for all those people in our house. And then um, the mom and tots also came out of a need. Um, we had Lola at the time, this little toddler, and uh, one of the other moms in the group um, said, you know, I can't afford block booking, which is what the any other of the programs are. You have to pay 12 weeks in advance, one large sum. And if you're working in a welfare, uh, working class area, no one can afford that. And so we really wanted to, to meet those needs and meet people. And that has really helped us connect with the neighborhood we now have a reputation as a safe place, um, and and that's huge. <laughs> um, we actually have people that come in or that will text us and message us about prayer that would have never even considered walking through our doors, and so it's, yeah. it's a unique opportunity. Yeah, we have this uh, uh, this tagline slogan. Just uh, really, this ethos of our church now yeah. is we want people to be known, loved, and feel a part of community. Um, and, uh, and so we were just trying to find out ways in which people can, could, you know, be known and, but ultimately loved and feel just a part of something bigger than themselves that they have, uh, people around them that care for them, that love them. And I think that's ultimately the message of Jesus, right? Is, is, you know, he's making us known even when we feel so isolated and he's making us feel loved when we don't feel worthy of love. And he's bringing us into this bigger community of people. Uh, and that's that's kind of how we're living that out there. And so when County Line came, they really, you know, you guys really helped us just transform the interior of the, of the space. You know, we had these big murals on the walls that really created for us, uh, I won't say conflict, but but a lot of a lot of questions that I guess a lot of the church people weren't prepared to answer. Um, so, for instance, you know, apart from me, you can do nothing, which in the greater context than John uh, 15, you, you know, it makes a lot of sense, but if you just see that and you don't have the context of, of what, what it looks like in, in the biblical perspective, you don't understand what that means. So you're just thinking, oh, well, what is, what is this church saying to me? I can't do things. And so especially with our teenagers, we had a lot of interesting <laughs> things We're like, oh, you say I can't do this. And, and so they would then, of course, like, you know, throw a pencil, throw a pencil or do something else. <laughs> see, I can do that. And I don't need God for that. And so County Line helped us not to take away that message, but to reintroduce that message to our community mm -hmm. in the greater context. So to create a fresh look of the space, to really make it just um, a safe space for us to, to hold these events and to have people come in 
And uh, you guys did an amazing job of, of really helping us make the place look fresh because it hadn't had any updates really since it was built in 1993. And so there was just holes and nicks and all sorts of things all over the place, but you guys did a really great job and, and it has continued. I mean, obviously with us not being there because of COVID, but uh, it's just a really fantastic and it really created great opportunity for us. Um, we actually got, so one of the things that we did is we were trying to create alternate income from the church. The church is a small and it was an aging church, but we're making changes in that way, but they were trying to create other alternate incomes for them. And so by painting that wall, installing that coffee bar, our birthday party rentals of the space exploded. We had one every weekend after you guys, December was December, but we had one every weekend in January, every weekend in February, every weekend in March, and, it, and until COVID hit, we had bookings all the way through June and July. And so just even that, that idea that this space can be utilized by the community and we could offer an inexpensive alternative for families that wouldn't be able to afford a big birthday party for their families. And so um, we really loved that, that feature. And the coffee bar sold it for a lot of people. They're like, we can put our buffet up here and we can serve the adults where the kids can't reach. And uh, it's been, it was definitely a, a great addition to that. And in the midst of all that, you know, um, we had something happen that allowed us to, to really even take it a step further. So we were able to, to really go in there and clean the entire carpet, interior carpet of the church, uh, you know, because this wonderful fellow <laughs> just spilled white paint all over the floor. You know, he was trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus and, and really do hard work. That's right. But sometimes it's messy. You know, it, it's really messy, but if you surf on scaffolding, it's messy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. It, it came down to the fact that it was, I was all the way up the top, and everybody was busy, and I didn't want them to have to get down their ladders and move the scaffolding. So I just tried to scoot it along, and the paint was on yeah. the edge of it. And... I don't think that was an OSHA-approved maneuver there. It, no, no, definitely not. It happened, and uh, we got to clean that carpet really well after that. So she wants to say that she remembers this picture, and she remembers that you guys helped at Tots. Yeah. Uh huh. And she got to paint pictures. That's what she's yelling from the sidelines. Oh, I remember. I remember there was paint on the floor. <laughs> so you made an impact. Yes, you did. <laughs> yeah. No, really. You guys, you guys were, were instrumental in in allowing us to to provide you know, additional services for, for our neighbors. So it was really great. So now we're in like a whole new uh, era. You guys are back here in the States, in Alabama right now, and your congregation is there. We're under COVID. So tell us a little bit about how you're coaching uh, your little congregation there and maybe some of the impact that COVID has had on your congregation. Yeah. Well, just to start at the beginning, we had returned, just to give people some you know, reasoning behind why we're here in Alabama, uh, we had returned to Alabama. Uh, it was supposed to just be a pre-IYC trip. So uh, we had a group of 10 students that we were going to take to IYC in Orlando. And uh, Audrey was going to return a little bit early to spend time with her parents because we found out that her dad was diagnosed with ALS. Uh, at Christmas. At Christmas. Mm -hmm. 
<clears throat> and so she was going to return here to just spend some time with them. And then we were going to come later around IYC. And then, of course, all this COVID stuff happened. And, and the UK went into lockdown pretty quickly, uh, as, as did, you know, all, most of Europe. Um, and we had a decision to make, you know, do we stay in quarantine there, not being able to, to be here with her dad and, and those kinds of things. And so we made a decision and, and Patrick and Jamie encouraged us to, uh, to just go ahead and come here right. and spend quarantine and, and all of that here. I mean, we had no idea that it would obviously extend this long, right? And so many things have, have changed because of that. But in the process of us returning here, my stepfather passed away um, and we became full-time caretakers of my mom. Um, and so, we had to go down to Florida for some time to take care of all of their arrangements and, and she's moved up here with us. And so we're in the process of kind of seeing where she'll go next. Um, but with our, with our church, um, we have, you know, technology is amazing, you know, and that you can be thousands of miles away and, and we all know that, you know, thousands of miles away, but still be able to connect and stay close. But up until recently, up until the last couple of weeks, the UK has just been in lockdown. So anything church related, or religious, you know, any kind of religious outreach or anything like that was all shut down. And you couldn't have more than two people in a building for a church service. And that was only specifically for like meditation or prayer. Mm -hmm. So you could have the pastor or the vicar or the minister and then one additional person. Yeah. And they had to be timed, right? So it was actually okay for us to be away because nothing was happening anyway. Uh, so that actually allowed us to, to connect with our congregation and, and some outliers uh, pretty, pretty deeply. And so WhatsApp has been just phenomenal for us. You know, we're consistently on WhatsApp uh, and, and doing different things. I had done a, a sermon series from my, my mother-in-law's back porch, you know, and uh, Pastor John from Birkenhead was able to contribute some things on our Facebook. So that's really helped us. We also been doing like um messenger chats with our with our youth group you know when we were doing we tried to do well we had to move to zoom because we did a the facebook messenger Allow only eight. allows you to have eight and so we had people like getting pushed out of the group trying to join and it was just a it was just a chaotic mess but we went to zoom and so that was really helpful to just stay connected with them um because you know they were uncertain they were in school then they were out not in school and then school could start, but then they all had to get all their test results and graduate, you know, not in school, right? So they've all just been kind of hanging around for the last several months. Um, yeah, August 15th was the latest um, governmental recommendations that is starting to allow churches to consider opening. Um, the biggest thing is family groups have to be two meters. Yes. Two meters apart. Um, well, so, no, no, in England, it's only three feet, so it's three, only a, a meter, meter apart. Okay. Yeah. So it's three feet apart. So if we can, we can have up to 25 people in the building as long as they are separated by family groups and then within the family group separated by space. Um, and so there are certain governmental rules that we have to follow, like getting a risk assessment done. So what would happen if so-and-so so got too close to this or we can't serve food and, and drinks for a while and things like that. So um, 
one of our volunteers has actually already done the full risk assessment. She did it about a month ago <laughs> in anticipation. So she's pretty excited. Um, and so the pastoral team is just um, going to get together and decide what date that can happen and if they have to divide the service or what that can what that's going to look like um, in the future. Um, kids groups can open um, as long as they follow the same space rulings uh, and youth, but not mom and tots. The recommendation for mom and tots is um, sometime in February. Yeah. So we are we're going to have to open slowly and based on space um, at this point. Yeah, well, you, you know, we've we've kind of talked about this before on this on advanced condition, but but I'm I'm interested to see kind of what the UK perspective is. We know that Christianity looks very different in the US compared to a lot of Europe. Um, and so can you guys talk about maybe some of those differences and what it's like to to maybe be pastors in this post-Christian culture that you're you're working with? Yeah, Audrey kind of alluded to that a little bit earlier on in our conversation about there's a skepticism mm -hmm. uh, towards religion, uh, organized religion. Now, you've got people who will say, oh, you know, I, I pray or I, I, I have my rosary beads or, you know, and they'll have this conversation like when people pass away, like, oh, they're now angels. And so there's this, this dimension of, you know, spirituality, spirituality that's there. And um, like, like, Psychics are really, really popular in England um, because I think people have so quickly move away from organized religion, but they're still looking for that mysticism. They're still looking for that spirituality in bite size, you know? So like, it's like the, 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 the McDonald's version of like an a la carte. So like, oh, I can have my spirituality in little tidbits, but I'm not going to be a part of an organized religious setting. Um, and so for, for a while, again, because we were Americans, because we were Christians, because we were, you know, at this little church in this kind of welfare community, we had a lot of people were very standoffish and, and immediately aggressive towards us. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and so we had some, we had some little tiffs here and there with some, with some people over, over that. But once we were able to showcase that we weren't like trying to convert them, yeah right that we were just trying to provide some safe spaces for their kids for their parents or for them you know to have some food or to have some fun those kinds of things that really helped alleviate a lot of that that tension but england's very interesting any country where you have like a state religion right i mean like this is like the queen is the the protector of the faith right she is like the sort of of this faith in in, in england um it's a very interesting dynamic. So you have like the Catholic church and you have the Anglican church, you have this state run church uh, that pays taxes to the government and gets all this benefit from that. And so you have people who, because that's still there, you have people who will go to church for like three reasons for a wedding, a funeral or a christening or a baptism. And that's, again, kind of getting their, their little bite-sized pieces of, of religion to make them feel good. And so we have conversations, like with several of the moms, the, the TOTS group has just, you know, opened up all these conversations yeah. about, about all of it. And so you've got people, oh, well, I was christened when I was a baby. And, of course, we're going to have so-and-so christened. And it's like, well, what does that even mean to you? It means that that kid can then get married in that church. Yes. Oh. 
And so you cannot or, get married in that or, church or buried, unless you've been uh, buried by that parish. That yeah. And so that's really what that equates to. It's um, they they love the celebration. It's a cultural thing. It's not a religious thing. It's a cultural thing. Um, it's celebrating that and then going to have the great blowout party afterwards to celebrate with your family. And it's a family event. It's just a cultural family event. Um, and so it's real interesting. Um, to have those conversations. Uh, oh, we found, especially initially, like, why are you here? You're American. Like, that was a conversation we had a lot. And, and you know, I, I learned how to say I was a missionary without ever using those words. <laughs> because people immediately would change their attitude and behaviors. Um, they would think that I would somehow condemn them or be... Um, judgmental of them and so often they would shut down and I would no longer have the open dialogue that I was having with them before and so I'd be like oh I work for a charity which I do it's a charity organization yeah. um but it was very difficult and it's because there's just these pre preconceived notions um there's a lot of hurt from the church historically in Europe um there's a lot of um just situations that uh, promoted sexual abuse within certain churches that is very prominent in the UK and so they immediately associate all the negative things the hate for homosexuality the hate for not married couples the hate for that they are only thinking what they think we think of them right mm -hmm. um, we had conversations with some families that um, weren't married and had this little boy and they asked me if all I saw in their kid was a sin baby and I was like, that would have never crossed my mind. He's a child of God in my mind. And so these are the conversations. We're fighting this preconceived notions constantly. Um, but it's worth the work. It's worth the friendships and the, and the, the time to, to get to know people and for them to be able to be at ease. Um, it's, it's real fun to watch that process happen. We went from not knowing anybody to like you walk down the street and every neighbor is like, hey, Odd, hey, hey which that's my name, Odd, it's shorter. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> it's, it's been fun to be a part of that process. Yeah, I realize really um, how exhausting it can be to have to constantly explain yourself. Um, and so as, as Audrey kind of shared, you know, we don't say, oh, I'm a pastor of the church down the road. You go, oh, we work with youth. You know that, and people, it's what's so funny is like the church has been there for 90 years, mm -hmm. but people who live three doors down don't even know that it's a church. Like they don't realize that it's even still open. Cause we have these big, like, and, and, and Pastor Chris can attest to this. We've got these big wrought iron gates that close and there's this whole thing with, you know, like, you know, hundred keys to get in and all this stuff. So people always think it's closed or it's, it's not a, it's just a fellowship hall, right? It just can be rented out or, or whatever. Um, and so when we start slowly start saying, Oh yeah, we, we work with youth down here we work with this charity that that's in this this building then it opens the door right mm -hmm. and then they're not immediately like you know we're not scary we're not scary yeah yeah it's interesting the when we interviewed dan and christy kim they kind of said the same thing about that that they're like we yeah you know we, we've got to find this like a different way to talk about what we do um mm -hmm. i thought that was interesting but then there's a lot of differences too in what you're saying uk versus where they are so that's yeah, I just, it's interesting to hear different perspectives on that question, um, kind of in that same region. Uh, but then, yeah, and also I think, and you said, I think Audrey, you said this earlier, but what I saw when I was there was that you guys are this, this safe place in that community. I mean, that's, and you, I think that attests to a lot of what you guys have done there and in your time there. And 
Uh, I mean, again, you're, the Sunday morning, you, you guys had about 20 or so, I think. And then, but that community meal, you're bringing the whole community in, which is awesome. And that's just what a great way to, to, to get people into your doors and, and show them that it is a safe place. I just, I love that. I love well, it's kind of scary for us too because we're working against this historical thing of the church on Sunday is mm-hmm. that's that's the thing that you have to do right. right that's where you get your religion that's where you get your spirituality direction is from you know the sermon on Sunday or the music on Sunday but for us we're finding so much the shift away from Sunday being the focal point and that the ministry on the day to day is where our congregation has been able to live it out where they're learning. And for example, uh, we have this wonderful lady, uh, Janet, who has been at the church for, for years and her husband wasn't a Christian. Um, but she's, but he, he always encouraged her to be a part of, of this. So she had, she, you know, uh, this whole thing. And so when he passed away, cause he took care of everything and she was allowed to just do her, you know, her church thing and be a part of that. And then when he passed away, she just felt completely lost and was, was unsure of, unsure of how to, to do anything and all this kind of stuff. And so she, a part of that was her concern about, well, her expectation was that she was supposed to evangelize. Mm-hmm. Right? In overt ways. And, and, yeah. A Christian is supposed to evangelize. We're supposed to, oh, we've got to just have this testimony. We've got to be able to tell people, express what this faith means to us. And she didn't know how to do that. And all the years that she had been involved in church, she never learned how to do that. She didn't know what that meant. Or didn't feel confident. Or didn't feel confident, really is what it came down Mm -hmm. to. She just didn't feel confident in doing it. And so when Audrey, uh, you know, helped launch this TOTS group, it took months. Three. Three months. Yeah, to convince her to just come along. And she's like, well, what am I supposed to do? What if they have, you know, church questions or Bible questions? I I can't. And it's like, no, no. We're not asking you to be a, you know, a theologian. We're not asking you to have Christian debate. We're just, just love them. Mm-hmm. Right. Like just let, what's our, what's our three things, make them known, loved and a part of community. Just do that. And in herself, after some time, she's like, wow, you know, like I'm learning that Jesus loves me so much. How much more is he loving them? you know, more than, more than I can. Mm-hmm. And so it was allowing her to, to get a different perspective and a new experience of her own faith. Yeah. And so that's what we mean when Sunday church, you know, is, is not the, is not necessarily going to work for us long-term because we're finding that with the physical, you know, taking steps to be involved in the ministry, that's where people are learning Mm-hmm. about God and all of that. And at our meals and at our meal prep, I mean, I invite anybody that wants to help me cook for 80 people, come on in, let's, <laughs> let's get some potatoes. And um, those are where those conversations and the discipleship moments are really happening is in those intimate conversations where they feel safe, where they feel like, hey, I can ask Audrey what her favorite thing about Jesus is because she, she's going to give me an answer that I understand. And so um, we're finding that the larger congregation is getting these moments like Janet where, um, you know, she's like, I love these kids and I don't know these kids, right? I've learned to love these kids. And so Jesus loves them that much more. Like, how awesome is that? And so we're, we're finding that there, there's all these moments outside of Sunday that, that can grow us and, and teach us as well. We are so thankful for the impact that you are having there. And I mean, I think we're learning some things about that too during our COVID experience that it's 
um, there's a lot, lot more to being the church than meeting on Sunday morning. And we're so thankful for what you're doing. Um, if people want to learn more about you or watch what happens next, what are some good ways to, uh, for us to stay connected with you? Yeah, well, uh, Facebook's probably the, the, the easiest way. Mm -hmm. uh, Facebook, Zach and Audrey, what's... what's Langford's 3W. Langford's 3W. Langford's 3W. Um, you can email us at zalangford at chog.org as well. Um, we send out newsletters. If you message us either on Facebook or send us an email, we can also add you to our newsletter list. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll tag you guys when we, when we post this, so... What, what does that mean? Um, <laughs> Take. It's a game. It's a game. It's a game. Just, just that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we're we're so open to you know if people are you know, have any questions more about you know what we're doing and how they can can learn about it. Yeah, we're you know we're open book. We'll we'll tell you all about it. <laughs> awesome. Sounds good. Well, again, thank you guys so much for jumping on and, and talking with us. Um, and tell Lola we said thank you for, for joining us. For help. I know, you can probably hear her very politely in the background. Yeah. She's doing puzzles and so she just is building bugs and so she got a bee and she goes, ah, it's the bee with the stinger. There you go. Love it. Uh, All right. Well, again, guys, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks yeah. for sharing. It was great talking with you today. Yeah. Thank Bye. you so much for the opportunity. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. Bye.